0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by 12 by 12. Picture book authors I'm talking to you. We know that we need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group and more. Members enjoy the accountability, support and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Registration is only open in January and February, so visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's 12x12challenge.com slash membership.
1: It is so difficult. I mean, it's, like, it, it's a challenging year. I, you know, that is what, one of the reasons that that I uh, decided. I mean, I've, I've been giving books out in and, uh, and yeah. Twitter. And, and lately, I said, you know, I had to get, the other day was my birthday. I said, okay, for my birthday, I'm going to give out another visit, a free offer oh, visit for that's... Title One schools. Yeah. Because, I mean, literally, I mean, this is that, like, these teachers have gone through so much. <laughs>
0: Welcome. This is episode number 661 of the Children's Book Podcast. I'm your host Matthew Winner. We're on patreon at patreoncom Matthew C Winner. Joining me on the show today is author illustrator Lulu Delacre, who shares Lucy Soars. Lulu and I have been talking about recording a podcast for a long while now, but I've got to say, The Lucy Soars was the very perfect book to bring us together. This beautiful picture book about a girl without a shadow speaks to discovering yourself in your voice. Lulu talks about how easy it is to be overcome by your difference, but that you find power by changing the way you look at things. We also get the chance to talk about her Rafi and Rosie Easy Reader series, which my daughter and I return to often. Please welcome my guest, Lulu Delacre, author, illustrator of Lucy Soars.
1: Well, my name is Lulu Delacre. Um, my pronouns are she and hers. And I have been creating a children's books since I graduated from art school that was in 1980 and that's when I knew that I wanted to become a children's book illustrator I have 42 titles to my name that I have illustrated sometimes I have been the author of uh, at least half of them and the um, What is most dear to my heart is the books, the line of books that I do now that are books that celebrate my Latino heritage. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, parents from Argentina, grandmother from Uruguay, married to the son of a Cuban, tons of friends from all over Latin America, and living in the U.S. for the past 40 years.
0: Well, I am so glad to have you on the podcast and and more importantly Lulu I'm so glad that we are finally exchanging voices. It's been a long time coming and I'm 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 just really blessed to be sitting here talking to you today. Thank you.
1: Thank you,
0: Matthew. Likewise, <laughs> I um I feel like it's been funny. Way, ages ago, when we reached out to do the state library conference here in Maryland, and then that date didn't work out, and we were looking for things in the future, um, I, I'm never, I, I never have lost a sense of wonder for how timing works out, and I feel like the book that brings us together today, Lucy Soars, is just just the right book for us to be talking about. But please know that there is no way we're getting away without talking about Rafi and Rosie, because my daughter and I read those books over and over and over. And I just, I know a lot of your work, but those books are very special in our relationship. And so I, I thank you for the 40 plus books that you've been making and for feeling called to make books for children. That's a beautiful calling and it fits you well.
1: Thank you. I, 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 I'm so glad that actually you and your daughter uh, share uh, that connection with Rafi and Rosie. They are very dear to my heart too. Uh, the sibling relationship—it's something that I cherish very much. Because if I'm gonna uh, give you a little secret, um, I don't know if that I should share this with you or not. <laughs> Maybe when, we might have to delete it. But actually, the relationship between uh, Rafi and Rosie mimics a little bit. It's a mixture, a blend of the relationship between him and his sister and my
0: husband and myself. No, that's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I can almost see personalities already. What a glimpse I'm getting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh
1: (laughs) So anyhow, but it's it's a loving relationship. But, you know, the showing off and, uh, you know, I'm going to show you how it's done now, even though I'm the little sister.
0: That's, that's so beautiful. I, I, it's such a wonderful, playful uh, story. When we first saw it, we, we connected because this is what you do when you see uh, beginning readers with, with amphibians. Right away, it was like, oh, it's like Frog and Toad. I can't wait to read this. And to, to feel... So I say that with an awful lot of love. I think that Frog and Toad, what Arnold Lobel did with those characters in those books is just something that I think many writers strive for. It's certainly something that I strive for is writing that felt so true and lovely and, and, and such deep friendship. And for you here to paint this brother and sister, the way that you do in discovering the world together and what it means to be an older sibling or to sort of (laughs) push or prod at the older sibling and discover the world and play together. I just, I love it. I love the joy and, and light humor that you bring to it. It's wonderful.
1: But Matthew, <laughs> it is so funny that you think of for Frog and Toad, because actually, Raffi and Rosie were born, because I used to read Frog and Toad to my daughters. Oh. And I loved the relationship between these two these two uh, characters. And I said, you know, but hey, why is it that we don't have the equivalent for Latino kids? Absolutely. Because in Puerto Rico, it is the tree frog. It's, it's not just any frog or any dog. It has, the, it has to be the coqui. So that is why I created Rafi and Rosie. The, they are actually born out of me reading Frog and Toad to my own daughters, and falling in love with that kind of beginner reader that is about the relationship of the, of these two characters. In my case, it's about, you know, um, a little sister and an older brother, but they are coquetry frogs from Puerto Rico, and it's set in the island of Puerto Rico.
0: It is, so, and there's so many things that set that book series aside, just like you're saying. The feeling of why haven't these ever existed? But I love that they existed in in your DNA as a writer and then were able to be expressed through these books. I'm grateful that we are seeing and publishing now all of these. It appears to be so many books created by folks that said, I didn't have the chance to see myself in these stories when I was a child. So I'm bringing forth that, that, that truth, that relevance now, that representation now. I love that. And you do it so well. And Lee and Lowe has, has published, you know, dual published, the bilingual versions, the English uh, versions and the Spanish versions of each of the books in the series. It's, it's wonderful that they've done that.
1: And I'm going to add a little bit of thing, a little thing that I think is important to, to point out here is that they are not translation. I write both. You right English, both. yeah, and the Spanish. And I consider the Spanish its own version. An authentic Spanish version is not a translation of the English. so i'm I'm super excited that they come out in the two versions. So yeah,
0: I love hearing you say that intention. I believe it was talking to Monica Brown or talking to goodness, I can't. I can't remember whom maybe margarita engel but one of those two women had told me similarly in their work being translated or them doing the translation themselves how important it is to understand it as a as a different text that you're not translating word to word but rather you are you are sharing the story in a different language and therefore finding the right words to express express what you're trying to express is very important it, it's something beyond uh the definition of a translation so i'm glad that you emphasize that and i didn't personally know that you did it yourself i love that
1: oh absolutely i mean i mean i dream it and <laughs> uh, and think i i dream and think in spanish so for me the english is the language that i have more work you know it's it's much more work for me to write in English than in Spanish. So I had, you know, the the Rafi and Rossi books, I written first in English because my editor, it's, it's, you know, her first language is English. But when I have to do the Spanish version, it's like nothing. It's breathing. It's, it's, you know, it comes (laughs) like in two (laughs) days.
0: Wow. That's, that's brilliant. I love it. Well, I'm, (laughs) I'm grateful for those four books in the series and I hope, and wish you many, many successes, so that we can have like I don't know another twenty in the series or something. But gracias, gracias. <laughs> but I do want to hop over to this newest book, to Lucy Soars, because I, I I find it to be, I find it to be exceptionally beautiful. I find it to be a bold book in how you illustrate it and how you approach story. I find it to be. Uh, one that really seeks to connect with the soul of your reader and and perhaps i'm putting a lot of myself onto it i'm seeing a lot of myself in this book but i i just love it i wonder if you could share for those that haven't read lucy's stories yet maybe just a book talk of, of what this story is
1: well um i think that you when in your reading you actually captured what i wanted to to capture. Uh, what I wanted the reader to see in the book. The book is about a girl that is born without a shadow. And her difference, she discovers that her difference can be a strength. How she discovers this is, and I would have to go back to why I created this book. May I do that?
0: Oh, please do.
1: In 2016, I was um, standing uh, in front of a painting, a painting by René Magritte. Um, The painting depicted a woman, and this woman was casting a shadow. And the shadow was a shadow of a bird. And I stood there, and I knew there was a picture book in that painting. The painting was speaking to me. It was actually, I had a glimpse of how to put the feelings that I felt as a child into the words and pictures for a younger reader. Doing that became Lucy's source. Because in the book, the difference, it's, it's almost like a metaphor for any difference the fact that there is a girl born without a shadow and she is latina spanish is spoken at home but it's not the main focus of the book it just happens to be that way in the book the book starts in black and white yeah um and it's on purpose. I knew it had to be in black and white. Because Lucy is born with this difference. She needs to live in the shadows. She learns to live in the shadows. In the shadows of her mother or others. In order, because she realizes, as soon as she realizes that there's something different with her, she she's pained by it. Because of course, people begin to point and notice and she feels different and she doesn't want to be different. She wants to belong. So one day she gathers courage and um, she steps into the light and that's when it's really I mean I look at this image and it's still painful for me because I put feelings that I felt as a child into this into this image. Yeah. Um, when you grow up and there is a bully in your life, and um, you are outcast and you feel different, you feel you don't belong. To me, it took me took me decades to learn how to change the way I look at things, to give me power and to be able to overcome and to soar, and to make that thing that hurts me into a thing that gives me um, the door to a new, a new person a new way of seeing things, a way of seeing things that empowers you, that allows you to soar. And that's what I try, this lesson that took me decades to learn, I tried to put into the words and pictures of this book because I believe that all children, all children have this power, the power to change the way they look at things.
0: I want to shout out teachingbooks.net. For those of you that have not yet discovered this site, it is everything for teachers and readers. Teaching Books strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at teachingbooks.net. how it was a life lived that took you that took you on that journey to be able to discover that power but also that that you possess that power as a child and that we can unlock Mm -hmm. it at different times it's just it's beautiful boy that that spread you talk about where the the Text reads, mean shadows pointed, mean shadows laughed, mean shadows stared their icy stares. That composition is beautiful. And I love the way that when taken from afar, you've almost even um, composed the, the or, or, or um, uh, yeah, you, you've, you've made the, the pointing fingers and the surrounding children around her almost mimic an eye itself. If, if pulled way back, it's almost like we're staring straight into someone's eye in that way. The focal point of those shadows pointing at her, it's just so powerful. I wonder, though, if if you would mind, Lulu, if I backed up and just read sure. your text, just from the first couple of pages to give folks an idea. Um, I'll read the first, I think, four spreads. It begins, I have no shadow. Mama says no one notices, but I do. And so do others. In the beginning, I didn't know I had no shadow. Gay Linda was the way people saw me. They didn't know either. But I grew up, and people stared. So I learned to walk always in other people's shadows. Lulu, when you were working on this, after seeing, after being inspired by that piece of art... Did you go and, and make art and play in that world first? Did, did words come first? How did this story manifest in you?
1: Well, it's an interesting question because actually I knew it had to go from black and white to full color. I didn't know how I was going to do this. Um, the way that I crafted the, the book when I have an idea, I I get this small journal where I begin to it, both write words and do little thumbnail sketches, and it just was a very um, organic um, organic process uh, for me to do this. Um, but I I how the technique that I was going to use for this book didn't come to me until actually. I was looking at another uh, exhibit in New York. I was uh, this time I was standing in the at MoMA and I was looking at uh, Louise Bourgeois um there was a retrospective of her, of her work uh in uh, the MoMA um modern museum of Museum of Modern Art um uh in New York, and I saw some um magnificent um uh, prints that she had done where she had played using the same print uh, same uh, exact same drawing using different colors and that's what made me think of mono prints. and in black and white because I wanted it to be stark I wanted it to be I wanted this the art to be as stark and as um, what would I say uh, powerful and Black and white, the contrast between black and white is very powerful. So the words are very, uh, you know, I counted every single word. Mm. And they needed to be both pictures and words are are really reduced to its minimum. Um, but it's on purpose. It's for the reader to be able to to take in what he or she wants to take in and then put part of himself in it. You know, the reader can bring himself onto the reading of the book. And that is, I think it's um, allowed by the starkness of the illustration and the brevity of the words, I think.
0: I think so too. I think also how long you hold the reader in that stark black and white world yeah
2: mm-hmm. builds
0: incredible tension um to to a degree that that i i i mean that that it almost feels like it almost feels overpowering when when she is beginning to question and you you, you start to see do I even need a shadow anyway? Doesn't a shadow just keep you on the ground? and mm-hmm. you flip the illustration So now it's just like a solid black background with these white silhouettes and you're you're almost seeing that she's becoming light itself. And then um, I won't give away the way that you do this transfer of bringing in the color, but the lightness that you bring in, again, I was I was so moved that it, 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 it isn't like you did this direct, I don't know, what was that? that There was that movie from some time ago of, of I can't even remember what it was, that that everything, the movie was all in black and white. And then as the people started to sort of discover the truth of the world, almost like Adam and Eve biting the apple, color came into the world, um, where, where color is just oversaturated and, and is a... Is a stand-in for truth and understanding. You you have so much more restraint in this that 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 light, the color that you bring in, is is yeah. the light in her that she is able to then see, going out beyond herself. That light, exactly. those wings mm-hmm. that we carry, as you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that it, it's just it is hmm. it is a, an allegory. It's a it's it a metaphor is, it's... because it's
1: you can be. I mean, you can be a, a child. Can be overcome by his or her difference by being bullied. uh, And then all his world is very small and and you kind of feel trapped, which is actually what happens in that spread that I really think is the most powerful spread in the the book where you you describe that she's surrounded by all these um, pointing shadows. And, And you can feel that oppression. So as you turn the pages, And she begins to wonder, what does a shadow do for you anyway? Yeah, she, when when you begin to change how you look at things, then you go from the oppression of a dark world to a world full of light and color.
0: It's beautiful. I love that she does it herself, that she has apparent they're supporting her along the way, but that you can see the change in her step by the end of the story. I also just oh, yeah. love that you, you end with just this beautiful <laughs> close up portrait that's just gorgeous. The colors that you get in her hair are just it's just such it's so beautiful to look at. But you also as I'm sure you know as an artist, because you you, you know what control you have over the art that we end on that last page and you just don't want to close the book when you're looking at her portrait it's just it's just a moment of really seeing her which is i think what we're called to do with one another is to really see that other person not to point but to see the light shining out from them and lulu you just do such a wonderful job in this book oh my goodness
1: Thank you. And I think that last spread, She Lucy's looking directly yeah. into the reader's eyes yeah. because she's actually trying to tell the reader the power I have is the power you also
0: have within you. Well, Lulu, this, this book is wonderful and I can see on the page and also through your voice, of course, great love and respect you have for children can i back up and just ask you why why make books for kids you said since coming out of school in uh the 1980s that you you felt like that's what you wanted to do why work for children
1: i discovered that um I didn't know that there was such a career of illustrating, you know, like illustrating for children's books, yeah. uh, being an illustrator of children's books. Why? Because I grew up in an island where we didn't have public libraries. Um, children's books were prizes, you know, for for doing good at school from, you know, that came from my dad that, you know, he would buy me these very... Um, you know fairy tales that would come from Spain. There were very few and far between any children's books that you would have access to. I did not discover the picture book. I did not know a, the picture book uh, art form existed until I was um, in uh, studying my master's in graphic arts in Paris, France, and I was actually uh, standing. Um, again, at another gallery. <laughs> another a gallery? Theme here, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There's a thing. I was standing uh, at this American gallery, and they had all the artwork on the walls of In the Night Kitchen by Maurice Sendak. Oh, um, of course. And Maurice Sendak, as you know, um, is the author illustrator of um, the Caldecott Winning, in, in um, uh, where the wall things are. And when I looked at his artwork, it was a revelation. I knew, oh, this is my path. Now I know what I have to do with my my life. I, I know exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, it It was like written on the walls. I knew it was that. There was nothing else for me. And of course, you know i I his year said than done because I studied you know, grew up in Puerto Rico, studied in Puerto Rico, then later go on to France. Uh, You know, I get married and come here to live in the U.S. And it was a matter of, you know, I had this this very clear vision. I didn't know a soul here in the U.S. I assembled two portfolios. I went, made 22 appointments back when you didn't have Internet. You had to dial the phone. Yeah, dial, meaning real (laughs) dial. And... (laughs) So, you uh, you know, I made 22 appointments in New York, spent five days at the Y um, without a bathroom. You can delete that if you want. (laughs) (laughs) But I spent five days at the Y, uh, met with 22 different uh, publishers, and by Friday, I had my first assignment, doing artwork for Sesame Street magazine. And that got me. Uh, you know, opened me the doors to later becoming a children's book illustrator of public domain material, and then later doing my own writing.
0: So, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Persistence is the key to your dreams. I mean, right? It sounds like just one... (laughs) Not only... Well, it sounds like there's twofold things happening here, that not only is it just... One thing leading to the other, being persistent, but also uh, I'm struck by how keen an observer you are, Lulu. Every time you put up a walking through a museum, I feel like it's not only just a great advertisement for go look at art, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, just go look at art, but also that you can allow yourself to be moved and then. To, to actually not just be moved emotionally but be moved into creating something yourself and responding maybe is the best way to put it and we might not all respond through art we might respond through I don't know dance or friendships or song or or, or just the way we carry ourselves through the world but it's so cool to hear how you have observed things and just have been like and that's why I made this thing <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I delight in it. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, Lulu. It's flown by, and I cannot wait for the next and the next and the next conversation that you and I will have together. I loved it. Thank you so much, Matthew. Tell me, what are you working on next? Well, I'm going to
1: be, yes, I would like to tell you what I'm working on next because it's another book, again, born by me standing at an exhibit. (laughs) And this one is titled... This one is titled Cool Green, Amazing Remarkable Trees. And it's a note to trees told in the voice of a Latino landscaper sharing his vast knowledge with his young granddaughter. I'm always amazed at the knowledge of some essential workers who lacking equivalences in the states, working jobs, other than what they have the qualifications for in their own countries and this book is meant to take the reader on on a journey throughout several continents visiting visiting the tallest widest heaviest most colorful oldest largest and nutritious trees it will be out um 2023 and i love gardening that's why i came up about to you know, doing this book after seeing an exhibit on trees.
0: Oh my goodness. I love it. Seeing a thing and then going <laughs> and making a thing. That's wonderful. <laughs> and what a great call for not just seeing those beautiful trees around us, but, but for knowing about how they're all over the world and and meaning different things and representing different things. I can't wait for it, Lulu. That sounds wonderful. Before we go, oh, before we go, uh, let me give you a chance to speak directly to your readers. Uh, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Lulu, is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: All children have this superpower, the power to change how you see things. So anything that hurts you can't hurt you
0: anymore. Thank you so much, Lulu, for joining me on the show today. I'm so grateful for our time together. Well, as you know, listeners, I've been inviting uh, picture book author friends to come on and share about their upcoming releases. And so I'm going to pass off the reins to uh, someone who's about to tell you about a book they have coming out. Uh, Before I do that, let me just say thank you for listening, and I will look forward to seeing you on this feed next week. This is
2: Lauren Kirstein, author of the Rosie the Dragon and Charlie series and Home for a While. You can learn more about my books by visiting net. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Podington Bear, care of the free music archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash matthewcwinner. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Matthew, with two T's, C winner. And your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.